Hey, happy Thursday, Met fans. How y'all doing? I guess we're doing pretty good after our YouTube victory yesterday over the Arizona Diamondbacks. You look at it, a key to every successful season is to win series. Win, win, win those series. And we won another series against Arizona, winning two out of three. And considering the Mets have only played eight official games at home in the month of May, since May till now, this has been quite a run for the Metropolitans, winning all these games on the road, despite all the injuries. And who would have thought we are four and a half games up in the National East? How about those Metsies? Let's give them a hand, will you? I can't believe this is happening. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, basically, for the Metsies. But yet, here we are, first place. Can't ask for more than that. And I'm one happy camper, that's for sure. And I'm sure you are too. And Francisco Lindor. Three hit outbursts yesterday. Pete Alonso would have caught shit. Wasn't pretty, but we got an ugly win and won't take them. Who's the team that always said a winning ugly? Is it a football team? I can't even remember now. There's been quite a few. Maybe it was the Chicago White Sox winning ugly? I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out at that. Uh, I always need your help. But anyway, we waited just about all season for Francisco Lindor to become a presence in the number two hole in the lineup. And maybe, just maybe, and I sure hope it's a big maybe that's going to turn into a yes. This latest search by Francisco can be taken seriously. It was his third hit of the afternoon that put his team in a position to win a game that was hanging in the balance. Francisco singled in the ninth, advanced to second on center fielder Ketel Marte's error, took third on a pass ball, and scored the go-ahead run on Pete Alonso's single in a 7-6 victory over the Diamondbacks at Chase Field. Now, the Mets escaped with two victories in three games in the series, but lost another player. Jonathan Villar departed with right hamstring tightness, a potential blow to a team that, well, let's be honest, is it already stacked or is it filled to the max with injury-less casualties? Lindor finished with three hits and five at-bats, and he's now 9 for 23, 391 over his last five games. And this latest three-hit game was only the second of the season for him, and he raised his average to 209. And that, believe it or not, is the highest level it's been since April 27th. So that is good news. Francisco is being paid not only for his defense, he's being paid for his offense. And uh, that's why he's getting paid the big bucks. So it's great that he's cutting it defensively, but he's going to have to come through offensively. And uh, it was just so encouraging to see him play. He's playing good. Uh, even in the ninth inning, when he was thinking, he was thinking double right out of the box. You can see it uh, before Marte's misplay allowed him a chance to reach second. After McCann was retired, Pete, Mr. Clutch Alonzo delivered his fifth RBI in three games since leaving the injured list. So it was good. You love to see that aggressive approach by Francisco. It rubs off on the rest of the team. And when you have a leader like that playing aggressively, uh, it does rub off. And what was also good to see was Edwin Diaz shaking off the rust. Well, the rust, whatever you want to call it. The debris from his first blown save of the season the night before him, pitching a perfect night. Uh, the Mets 
got off to a great start. It looks like David Peterson might have it easy peasy. He got four runs before he set foot on the mound, but the left-hander retired only one of the seven batters he faced in the worst outing of his career. Peterson was charged with five earned runs on three hits and three walks. And that brought in Robert Gazelman into the game to record the final two outs of the first inning. And Gazelman did a good job. He carried the Mets to the fifth inning. Now, Peterson had him pitch in nine days because of postponements and a reconfigured rotation. And he said the layoff may have affected him. Uh, but still, I think he should have pitched a little bit better than that. I'm not sure how you guys feel. After Carson Kelly walked leading off, Ketel Monte blasted a two-run homer that sliced the Mets lead to 4-2. to two. Peterson then retired Eduardo Escobar, but Christian Walker single and consecutive walks to Pavin Smith and Nick Ahmad loaded the bases before Vargas' two-run single tied the game, bringing the hook from manager Luis Rojas. Madison Bumgarner's single against Gazelman brought in Vargas, the fifth run charge to Peterson. And believe it or not, that was the second start Peterson made against the Diamondbacks in a month, within a month in which he failed to complete two innings. On May 7th at City Field, he lasted only one and two-third innings and allowed three yard runs on three hits and three walks. And with this latest performance, Peterson's ERA surged to 5.89. The Mets have few alternatives, really, with Syndergaard and Carrasco still off in the distance in their rehabs. Uh, Mets are still hopeful Carrasco can return by the end of the month from a hamstring injury that's kept him sidelined since spring training. Now, McCann's three-run homer was the big hit for the Mets in the first inning, which eight batters went to the plate against Bumgarner. The inning might have gotten out of control if left-handed, the left-hander didn't get Brandon Drury to into a double play, which brought in the fourth run. To sum it up, Willie Rojas said, it's a huge win. We're in the first inning. We have to take Peters now with one out. It's tough. The bullpen really came through. And that they did. Uh, now, the one thing, one concern coming out of that game is Jonathan Noir. What a great addition he's been to the team this year. Understated. And he's been a big part of the Mets' success the past month. And quite frankly, this is going to test the Mets' depth once again. Uh, he's basically settled in at third base uh, in recent weeks, but he departed the game uh, yesterday with right hamstring tightness. Jose Peraza shifted third base with newcomer Travis Blankenhorn. Good thing we had him, right? He came in and filled in at second. Now, Volar, the team's leadoff hitter, will be evaluated before Thursday's game in San Diego. Uh, but he was, the encouraging thing was he was showing full range of motion and strength in the leg upon initial examination. Now, Bohr has been pretty productive uh, in the Met lineup with a 737 OPS playing every day. And that's come up huge with J.D. Davis, McNeil, and Lee Gourmet on the injured list. Uh, speaking of Davis, his still bothersome left hand has him because nearly as quickly as the Mets might have hoped. After restarting his swinging last weekend, the third baseman has backed off in recent days, according to Rojas, because of discomfort. Rojas indicated a minor league rehab assignment still isn't imminent for Davis, who was placed on IL on May 2nd with a left-hand sprain. Uh, so hopefully he'll be back. I, I was kind of a little questionable about Davis because they were saying, well, he's been set back, blah, 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 but... Sometimes the Mets don't tell you everything, or maybe they don't know everything. This has been lingering on for some time, and I'm getting a little concerned. I don't know about you guys. Uh, but still, with Davis gone, it was so refreshing to have Pete Alonzo, Kevin Poore, and uh, Seth Lugo back from the IL. Lugo finally got to pitch yesterday. I was wondering why they recalled him if they weren't going to pitch him, but he did pitch yesterday. 
allowed one run on three hits over two innings in the season debut. The right-hander entered in the fifth behind Robert Gazeldman and worked a scoreless frame before the D-backs tied the game against him in the sixth. Uh, Sid said, I've been building up to this since February, so it's exciting to get back out there and help the team win. Lugo, who underwent surgery to move a bone spur in his right elbow, also said, more importantly, I feel good out there. He was active before Monday's, activated for Monday's game and was anxious to get the ball. Uh, so hopefully we'll see more Seth Lugo. I still like Seth Lugo as a starter. And if Peterson and the, whoever pitches the fifth starter is, uh, isn't working out, I say you got to give it to Seth Lugo. He's good for six innings, five, six innings all the time. And he may be more valuable to, as a starter right now, considering how good the bullpen is. That's my opinion. And uh, I've always, like, I mean, he's done a great job out of the bullpen. Don't get me wrong. But I think Seth Lugo is a starter by trade. And uh, I guess they're just going to wait and see what develops with the starters the rest of the way. But I think he should be gearing up to pitch uh, five, six innings a game as a starter every fifth day. And I think the Mets would be better off for it. Uh, let's see, what, anything else really going on? Uh, with the Mets in the last couple of days. Uh, let's see what I have here. Oh, us local fans who go to City Field. Oh, by the way, I was returned to my regular seat. Yeah, my regular seat for the uh, next homestand. So I'm back, back in the New York group. They had me up in the last row in the upper deck. I was in Bob Uecker country. And I'm going to tell you something. April and May, it's not that warm up there with the wind blowing through that. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that mesh fence up on the last row, but that hits your back hard. And you're in the shade. So when you're playing a night game or a day game, there's no sun up in the last few rows. It's great during a hot summer day or when it's raining, but it's not the seats for April and May. Now, of course, I'll be exposed to the sun in my lower row in the upper deck. And now it's going to rain, it's going to be sunny, it's going to be hot. So I just can't wait. But to be honest with you, coming into this 2021 season... I can honestly say I'm just happy to be anywhere in City Field. I didn't think I'd be going to any games this year. So knock on wood, this is all beat. And we're back at the ballparks and we're rocking and rolling City Field because this is going to be our year. Uh, and due to reopening measures from Governor Andrew Cuomo, City Field will now be able to host 32,500 Met fans 29,500 who will be vaccinated, meaning just 3,000 crowd will be reserved for unvaccinated people starting next week. Uh, Cuomo said you will see other sports teams doing that. You'll see movie theaters starting to do that. You'll see restaurants starting to do that because it's a safer environment. It's more conducive to business. It also allows more business sales, so it's another reason to get the vaccine. I have the vaccine. I'm, I'm not telling what people what to do, but I still feel so confident going to games now and just resuming my life. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And uh, it's good to be at City Field. There is nothing, nothing like being at City Field. I, I know you, as a fan, a purist, you see more of the pitcher-batter confrontation on TV. And you can see the pitchers moving and everything. But there's something about being at the ballpark. And you know what? I got MLB.TV. I just freaking watch the games whenever I want if I want to watch the replay. And uh, at my convenience, I, I watch the game at the ballpark and then see what it was like on TV. So I am not complaining. What I am complaining about is Bob Renway. Now, I like Bob as a Fox broadcaster. Now, I know he's a Diamondbacks TV analyst, but 
He did apologize for his insensitive comment directed toward Marcus Stroman that he issued a night earlier when he said while Stroman was pitching, I'm sure it is the same do-rag that Tom Seaver used to wear when he pitched for the Mets. Uh, Stroman later on Twitter indicated his displeasure with the underlying racial comment. The 67-year-old Brenway released a statement through a Diamondback saying he was sorry. This is what Brenway said. During Tuesday night's game, I made a poor attempt at humor that was insensitive and wrong. I apologized to Marcus Stroman. I reached out directly to share those thoughts. And I've had several conversations with Diamondbacks, and we agree that seeking sensitive treatment is an important step. So I continue to learn from my steps in order to be better in the future. Met manager Willie Rojas said he became aware of Brenway's comment after Tuesday's game and was immediately disappointed. Rojas said there is no room for comment like that. Completely inappropriate. I was very disappointed when I heard it. It was like a joke or something. I didn't get it. And I know a lot of people didn't get it. I just think it's completely inappropriate. Now, Brenway was not a chase field for the Mets 7-6-1 on Tuesday. YouTube had exclusive rights for the Mets Diamondback game and used its own broadcast crew. Uh, and I guess that's really all I have to add about the last couple days. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game. Big, big series against the Padres. Uh, it's going to be a true test for us. Uh, we're playing the big boys now. But the good thing is we have Taiwan Walker going for us. The bad news is we've got you Darvish going for the Padres. Now Walker returned from the IL to throw five scoreless innings and strike out eight in a win over the Braves last Saturday. He is 3-1 with a 1.33 ERA and five career starts against the Padres. And you Darvish... Well, you has been the Padres' best starter this season, but he's coming off his worst outing of the year in which he allowed five runs over five innings versus Houston. Prior to that outing, Darvish hadn't allowed more than two runs since opening day. So hopefully we got the Darvish. Maybe Darvish is a little bit of a tailspin right here. We shall see. But nonetheless, it's going to be a great game. Take a nap. Take a nap sometime during the day because this game starts at 10-10. And we'll be a little bit bleary-eyed tomorrow when you listen to this podcast, so... Uh, get some rest. Big game. Big game. This is the type of game you want to see, even if it's on a 10-10. Uh, 10-10 wins. Back with the update. Uh, anyway, Taiwan Walker versus you, Darvish, tonight. Should be a good one. When we come back, we're going to do our usual Met fun stuff, as we always do. Jeopardy, birthdays, trivia. Uh, looking back at a game on this day in Met history. And what you guys are talking about in the Facebook group. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. Okay, folks, welcome back. How are we all doing? Looks like you're all doing good out there. Uh, we are going to start off our second segment with the thing you love. You love. You love our Mets Final Baseball Jeopardy. Well, today's Mets Final Jeopardy. We're going to give you two clues. Then you write down your answers. Lock them in. We'll be back at the end of the podcast with the correct answers. So here you go. Here's the first clue. Traded by the San Diego Padres to the New York Mets in exchange for Rod Gaspar on September 1st, 1970. Second clue. Traded by the New York Mets to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Bob Aspermonte on December 1st, 1970. Now, here is our Met trivia question of the day. Who... Hit the last Met walk-off Grand Slam home run. Do you know? Write down your answer. Lock it in. And we'll be back at the end of the podcast with the answers to our final Jeopardy 
and Met Trivia Question. Alright, now it's time to celebrate Met Birthdays on this day. We got quite a few. We actually have five. Let's start with the first one. Happy birthday to Ed Glenn, the hot dog vendor at Shea Stadium from Flushing, New York. He wore number 48 from the Mets. For the Mets, he was the Flushing Flash, and he was with 1979 and 1980. In 79, he pitched in 46 games, 1-4 record, 3.00 ERA. Then in 1980, he was 3-3. Three three. 52.1 innings pitched, 38 games, with an ERA of 4.13. Local favorite, Eddie Glenn, the Flushing Flash. He started out with the Tigers from 75 to 78, then went to the Indians after the Mets, and the Mets traded him to the Indians for Dominic Bollinger. Now, who, who remembers how we got him? We got Eddie Glenn from Marty Cornejo, the Chief, before the 79 season. Happy birthday, Ed Glenn. Happy birthday to Barry Lyons, number 33, New Mets scorecard. Yes, he was part of the 86 team, played in six games, got nine at-bats. Uh, was with us in 88, 87, 88, 89, and 90. All told, played 212 games as a net, batted 240. Nine homers, 71 RBIs. Great man. He's on Facebook, check him out. He might friend you. Good guy. He was sucked up by the Mets in the organization in the 15th round of free agent draft on June 7, 1982, and he was released by the Mets on September 4, 1990. How about a happy birthday to Carl Everett? Carl Everett had some strange theories, but he was a great, great Met. Uh, war number three with the Mets. Uh, 97 was his big year with the Mets. Uh, he had 14 homers, 57 RBIs, by 248 in 142 games. 95 wasn't too shabby either. He had 12 homers, 54 RBIs in, 90, in 95, batting 260 in just 79 games. He led the Mets in stolen bases with 17 in 97, and tied for the Mets' lead in hit-by-pitch with four in 1996. Happy birthday, Carl Everett. And how about a happy birthday to Aaron Ledesma? Number 11 in your Mets scorecard. He was with us in 1995. Primarily a third baseman. Played 21 games, 33 at-bats. Uh, no homers, three ribbies, 242 batting average. Way to go, Aaron. Uh, happy birthday to Zach Lutz. Number 19 in your lineup. Uh, he was with us in 2012-2013. Both years combined. Played 22 games. Got a 226. No homers and two RBIs. Uh, we got him as a fifth round of the free agent draft in 2007. Uh, so, happy birthday, Zach Lutz. And unfortunately on this date, Jimmy Pearsall, former Met, passed away in 2017. Who remembers Jimmy? What's he famous for? Ah, I see a lot of you got the answer right away. Yeah, he is 100th home run as a Met and ran around the bases backwards. He wore number 2 and 34 with the Mets, and he was with us in 63. He had that one homer, one homer as a Met, and he made it famous going around the bases. So if you're going to do hit one homer as a Met, make it something everyone's going to remember. And he batted 194. Uh, if you remember, he was uh, the subject of Fear Strikes Out, that book and the movie. 
And I think Anthony Perkins played him in the movie. Uh, he was Harry Carey's sidekick for a while with the White Sox. as a broadcast partner with the White Sox. Uh, Jimmy was quite a character, and he passed away on this date four years ago. Now let's go back to our Met game in this date in history. Now this game was huge. Why was it huge, you'd probably say, Uncle Stan. Why? Why? Well, on this date, the Mets went over 500 for the first time this late in the season. In the miracle year of 69. And uh, it was big. It was big. Big date in Met history. Big. And... We won the game. We had to have won the game to go over 500, wouldn't we, folks? This game was played at Shea Stadium. Tommy Seaver was going against the mound against Alan Foster. Who remembers Alan Foster? Uh, he was actually a pretty good pitcher for the Dodgers, but he was uh, up and coming at the time. And uh, pitching against the Mets, the Mets lineup that day had Buddy Harrelson at short leading off, AG center field second. Garrett playing third, batting third. Cleon Jones in left field, batting fourth. Cleanup. Ed Cranepool, first base, batting fifth. Ron Swoboda, right field, batting sixth. Uh, Jerry Grody, catching, batting seventh. Al Weiss, batting eighth, second base. And Tom Seaver on the mound. Now, before we go any further, a little side note. Ron, Rocky Ron Swoboda had a rough day, striking out four times. He had multiple sombreros with the Mets. And uh, today was one of them. When he struck out, he had bad days doing so. Uh, it was a pitcher's duel through four innings. Then the Mets chipped away for a run in the fifth. Got three more in the sixth. Uh, Dodgers came right back with two more in the seventh. And the Mets got one in the eighth. Uh, the big hitting hero for the Metsies? You're asking? Eddie Cranepool. Eddie Cranepool went yard twice in the game. Uh, scored two runs, three RBI. So he was the big hitting star today. Cleon Jones had a triple. Uh, Wayne Garrett stole a base. And uh, Cleon won two for four, one run, one RBI, and he lifted his batting average up to 358. And Wayne Garrett was off to a pretty good start that year. He was two for three with two runs and a walk, and he was now batting 318. So the Mets were on their way. This was a key day in Met history in 69, the day where they got over that hump and were over 500. And the rest of the month were going to be quite entertaining. In case you're wondering what Tom's line was on the day, he pitched eight innings, three hits, two earned runs, two runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, typical Tom. And the tugger, Tug McGraw, came in for a save. Second save of the year, one inning of flawless relief. And that's what happened this date, June 3rd, 1969. It met to defeat the Dodgers 5-2 at Shea Stadium. Okay, now you're probably saying to yourself, Uncle Stan, what's going on in the baseball group in your Mets baseball way of life? Oh, by the way, if you're not a member of the baseball group, please, please, please do join. It's New York Mets baseball way of life. We've got a great group, a lot of great people, a lot of great stuff posted every day. Check us out. And if you're not a subscriber to this podcast, can I ask you a question? What are you waiting for? Please subscribe. You'll get updates every day when a new podcast is up, and you'll be able to follow the Mets with all us other great Mets fans on a daily basis here. What do you say? Give it a shot, my friends. Give it a shot. Uh, let's see what is going on in the group. Like I said, we were talking about Noah Syndergaard the other day, and should he be signed to a 
contract after the season. A few other people came in with uh, comments since yesterday when we talked about this. Don Laub said it definitely should be considered. I would like to keep him, but worry of an overly long contract. Hate to lose him and see him succeed elsewhere. I don't see him accepting a short-term deal with the Mets. Marty Rose said he needs to prove he's healthy before he cashes in. He should take a qualifying offer like Strode did to prove he's worth the big bucks. Steve Scanlon said he'll probably take him a full year to fully recuperate. How many top-level pitchers with his upside are available? I can think of one pitcher the Mets let go recently who they would love to have back. Should we make it too? Good points from all three of you guys. Great. I love it when you guys come back with thoughtful responses. And you really did it there. Thank you so much for that. Uh, let's see. What other things were we talking about? A lot of likes on the post. A lot of people posting. What's my... As far as like serious conversation, that was basically it for the day yesterday as far as like topical conversation we can chat about here. So, let's see. Let's see where Noah goes. Uh, we'll see what's going to be going on with Noah Syndergaard. Will he pitch this year? I honestly think he shouldn't. For the, if you're looking from a selfish perspective with Noah, he shouldn't. Just sign a one-year offer. Was that, 18 million? You can't beat that. And see what he can do. I think Uncle Steve will be willing to do that. And if he can prove himself uh, all for it, and if the Mets are the best bidder after that, then uh, he remains a Met. But I don't think he should be locked into a long-term deal. Uh, give him a one-year tryout, sort of like Stroman, and let's see what happens from that point on. Okay, we're back. We're back, and we're going to tell you who... The correct answers were for yesterday's and today's Mets Final Jeopardy. The Mets Final Jeopardy question was, traded by the San Diego Padres to New York Mets in exchange for Rod Gaspar on September 1st, 1970. Second quote, traded by the New York Mets to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Bob Aspermani on December 1st, 1970. As of this broadcast, no one got it right in the Facebook group yet, so I'm going to give you the answer. Who is Ron Herbal? Now, today's Met trivia, yes, trivia question of the day here is, who hit the last Mets walk-off Grand Slam home run? The correct answer is Jose Bautista, who hit it July 6, 2018 against Tampa Bay against pitcher Chaz Rowe. I was there. City Field was rocking after that. And congrats to Jason Lynch on being the first to get the correct answer. Well, that's going to wrap up our broadcast for today. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you did... Please subscribe to the podcast. You get updated every day as to when a new one is up. And if you want to reach out to me on my P-H-I-L-S-T-A-N-4-1 at gmail.com or you can message me on the uh, Facebook group page if you're a member of that. But please join in. It's a fun group. And that's it for today. Remember, guys, stay up late tonight, so try and catch a nap before the big game. It's going to be a doozy. We're playing the Padres. Big, big series. A little bit of a walking wounder we're playing against the Red Hot Padres, but in baseball, you never know. And we've got Taiwan Walker going on the mound today for the Mets, and you Darvish for the Padres. Should be a good one. We'll be back to talk about it tomorrow morning. Until then, enjoy the day. Thanks again for listening. Appreciate all your support in the group and in the podcast. And have a great day. Let's go Mets.